amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. This episode contains disturbing content, including mention of suicide. Listener discretion advised. By the summer of 2012, after predicting the end of the world for over seven years, Sherry was convinced it was finally happening. The end was beginning. If you never took me seriously before, uh, you need to take me seriously now. Because this zombie pandemic that everybody used to laugh at me because I would, I would warn about it, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Wait until the giants come I've been warning about. This was after that news story broke that a man in Miami, high on bath salts, attacked another man and was attempting to eat his face. It was a shocking event for sure. I remember hearing it and... At the time, my takeaway was, wow, bath salts are a really dangerous drug. Sherry's takeaway? The zombie apocalypse had started. You know, the whole game plan right now is to implement a few attacks to get people scared, freaked out. And that's exactly what we all were. What? He ate his face off in Miami? What's going on? These are unearthly plagues. Sherry said the whole thing was a PSYOP, a plan by the New World Order to use a zombie virus to kill off billions of humans. She urged her followers to do what they needed to prepare themselves for the fight. You can kill zombies uh, if you're a prolific shot. Uh, you can shoot their brains out if you're only dealing with one. If you're dealing with a gang of zombies, I would suggest a wider choice of weapon, which is orgone water. At one point, Sherry said that she always carried a gun in her purse. But not a real gun, a water gun filled with orgone water. Sherry believed you could soak orgone pucks in water and that the water itself would become charged up with orgone, becoming orgone water. She recommended just tossing it into your pool, if you have one, and leave it there for a couple of days. And then all of that water would become orgone water, which was the best weapon to use against zombies. It's like acid to them when you spray orgone water on them. I uh, carry around a little caddy in my car with a bunch of spray bottles. I also have super soakers and water guns and water balloons and that kind of thing. Um, just to be prepared. And I've always known this, this thing was going to hit in the spring and summertime during baseball season. Got my Oregon water in a bucket in the car. and <laughs> I imagine Sherry's kids swimming on a hot summer afternoon. And then Sherry coming out to put a fresh batch of Oregon pucks into the pool to charge up the water. And then later, packing everything up to go to one of her kids' baseball games. Putting everything in the car, the sunscreen, the snacks, the super soakers filled with Oregon water. Just in case there was a zombie attack in the middle of the game. Or maybe not. Maybe none of that happened. Maybe she didn't even carry a water gun in her purse. Perhaps it was just 
part of her Sherry Talk Radio persona. I bring all of this up because Sherry portrayed herself one way online that wasn't exactly what her life was like. If you listen to Sherry Talk Radio, it sounds like her life was filled with constant, epic, cosmic battles. But her life, her real life, it didn't really look like that. So Ed said, um, I've known them a long time, still friends with her husband. She was normal to talk to and kept to herself mostly. This is Kate, a producer working on the show. Kate reached out to this man who claimed to be neighbors with Sherry and Art Schreiner for years and who actually still lives next to Art Schreiner. Kate and this man, who we're calling Ed, they sent messages back and forth on Facebook. He said, I have a great story about one night she was online telling her fans how the aliens and demons were attacking her house. We were under a severe thunderstorm. She confessed that angels were fighting the aliens and demons as she spoke. Exactly as soon as she said that, her house was struck with lightning, which blew out all of her and our electronics. Ed is not an Oregon warrior. In fact, he didn't buy into anything that Sherry had to say, but he had some kind of fascination with her, and he would tune into Sherry Talk Radio just to see what she was saying. He heard firsthand how she took something like a thunderstorm and then turned it into an alien attack for her listeners. The image she created for herself online was a different image from the reality of who she was. Ed agreed to be interviewed for the podcast, which was a little bit surprising to me since he's still friends with Art Schreiner. But we set a date, we set a time, and then 30 minutes before the interview, he backed out. Kate tried to reschedule with him. Ed blocked me after... I'd sent him three messages trying to reschedule this. You wouldn't be able to tell by looking at Sherry that she was an internet doomsday cult leader. After all, you can be anyone that you want to be on the internet. It's not that hard to create a persona. And for a while, that worked fine for Sherry. She could be both Sherry the mom, Sherry the neighbor, and then she could also be Sherry the mouthpiece of God. Sherry continually denied that she was a cult leader. See, she wanted all of the perks of being an internet prophet. She wanted the influence, the adoration, the donations. But she didn't want to live with the consequences. And that was relatively easy to do for a while. Because at the end of the day, she could log off the internet and live her real life. But Kelly's death made that more difficult for her to do. Kelly knew both the flesh and blood Sherry and the internet goddess Sherry. So when Kelly died, everything that Sherry was doing suddenly had real-world impact. And how Sherry responded to Kelly's death would set a precedent for how she would react to anyone who threatened her position of power. From Cast Media, this is The Opportunist podcast about regular people who turn sinister simply by embracing opportunity. This is episode three in our series on Sherry Schreiner. I'm Hannah Smith. Revelation is the last book of the Christian Bible. 
It's filled with apocalyptic prophecies of the end of the world. It includes stories of a seven-headed dragon, serpents, beasts, lakes of fire, locusts descending on earth that sting like scorpions. Many Christians view the book as a metaphor, but there have always been those captivated by the mysteries in Revelation, those who look for signs that the end times are near. And when I was growing up as a kid, if the churches weren't talking about the tribulation and the last days and the beast rising out of the sea, I wasn't interested. All I wanted to hear about was what we termed Bible prophecy, the last days. That's all I was interested in. The idea is that in the last days of planet Earth, there will be massive disasters, war, famine, genocide. The Antichrist, who is an evil, satanic leader, will arrive on Earth and bring suffering on a worldwide scale. But just when we think all is lost, Jesus will return, defeat the Antichrist, and the followers of God, the true believers, will live forever in heaven. It's a promise that no matter how bad things get, the good side, your side, will win in the end, and that paradise is waiting for you, just on the other side of the end of the world. It's a good story. And so there's a couple things I want to talk about tonight because we are definitely heading into what the Bible calls the last days. New Testament scholars believe that Revelation was written sometime around 95 CE by a man named John. Now, not a lot is known about the author. Some people believe it's the same John that we call the Apostle John. But then others say that it was a totally different John, an unknown Christian prophet. But what's widely believed to be true is that the author John wrote Revelation as a letter. At the time, he was banished to this Greek island, Patmos, for his Christian beliefs because it was illegal and heretical to be a Christian at the time in the Roman Empire. A historical reading of Revelation interprets John's predictions of coming destruction to refer to the fall of Rome and a period of time when there would no longer be persecution for Christians. But a futurist interpretation of Revelation reads the book as a prophecy about the things that will take place at the end of the world. The book begins like this. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him, John, to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Judgment's coming. It's right around the corner. You know, I'm anxious to get going on things. <laughs> and head on into eternity and living in the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven. This is Sherry in early 2005. She had just started her show, and she was really excited every time she talked about the end times. Maitreya and Sananda are evil figures whose arrival on Earth will be a sign that the end of the world is starting, something Sherry believed based on her interpretation of Revelation. This is Sherry in 2007. It's been very exciting to see all these things finally start to come into play. Everything I've been warning about for years... This is Sherry in 2009. They're running out of time. There's going to be uh, a total chaos, civil war here in America coming soon. This is her in 2010. All the the things, the nasty things that these alien and demonic entities are going to unleash on mankind this year. Get the bug out bags packed now. And in 2011. Expect Sananda to arrive. I'm almost looking for a September 11th arrival of Sananda. 
in 2012. These are exciting times, folks. I look for the elect to start slowly be taking home over the next several months. In 2013. What is these 144,000 that are going to be leaving soon? And in 2014. We have several different alien invasions coming. And if we don't defend ourselves against them, there's not going to be one human left on Earth. Sherry was constantly looking to the end times. And from what I can tell, the fact that her predictions failed to come true wasn't a detractor for the Oregon warriors. Every time Maitreya didn't arrive, every time the aliens didn't attack, every time the rapture didn't happen, every time life continued on as usual, in the face of these apocalyptic predictions, Sherry just said, there's been some delays, or that the enemy's plan has changed. There were some good things that came out of that for us. Uh, but we're used to delays. We, we can handle it. We cause these delays. And, and we always cause delays. And it's when you expose their plans, they relent. Because they like to operate in secrecy. And when their plans come to light, then they, they, they run. They don't do it. So that was delayed. And now we have the debt ceiling fiasco. I think in order to continue to believe for years and years and years that the world is about to end at any moment, it must be because you want the world to end. You want the world to end so badly and because you're looking forward to it. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What is at stake in this cosmic conflict is the future of humanity, the future of the world as we know it. This is Reza Aslan, a religious scholar, author, television, and podcast host. I wanted to understand more about the mindset of someone involved with the doomsday cult. So I spoke with Reza about that. There are only two sides in a cosmic conflict, right? There's there's right and there's wrong. There's God and there's the devil. And if you're not on one side, then by definition, you're on the other side and you are the enemy. A lot of religions include a cosmic mindset, meaning there's a clearly defined good and a clearly defined evil. But this mindset can easily be taken to an extreme, which becomes problematic. When it comes to groups like this, cults, 
you know, extreme movements that have certain views, certain beliefs that are beyond the pale, that are just absurd to the extreme. What the cosmic mindset allows is for the members to accept those beliefs without necessarily questioning them. And it also allows for a level of adherence to these increasingly you know, extreme and out-of-the-box beliefs because any kind of doubt immediately puts you into the other camp, the camp of darkness. There is no gray area in a cosmic conflict. You're either aligned with the good side or you're aligned with the bad side. And Reza said that that's actually really key in understanding how apocalyptic prophets have been so prevalent throughout history. We've all heard the stories about groups of people who are totally convinced that the world is going to end on a certain day. So leading up to that day, they do all kinds of things like give away everything that they own or spend a lot of money that they never plan on paying back. And then the day comes and goes and nothing happens. But instead of questioning their leader, the one who made the doomsday prediction, they press on. They find a new date for the apocalypse. They start the whole process over again, even in the face of mountains of evidence that the world is not ending. They don't give up. The promise of the end times is more than just the desire for utopia. I think what's truly at stake here is that the end times creates the ultimate form of certainty. Some people go up into heaven and have eternal life. Others go down into hell and suffer for the rest of eternity. And that's it. The certainty is appealing, like really appealing. The biggest mystery that we have in life is death. No one living really knows about death. Not really. Not completely. When I first had a crisis of faith, it was the uncertainty that scared me the most. I had to learn how to be comfortable with the idea that death is a mystery and that I don't actually know if my existence will continue. And that is uncomfortable. It feels much better to know exactly what's going to happen for many pious, devout, religious people, doubt and uncertainty is a constant struggle, whether they want to admit it or not. And having this clear conception that there is a point in the near future in which all of this comes to an end, the world as we know it, existence as we know it, comes to an end, and what is left is the most extreme form of certainty, that's an extraordinarily appealing idea. Sherry was happy to continually offer the Oregon Warriors this promise that the period of extreme certainty was very near, almost here, just around the corner. But in order for the Oregon Warriors to believe Sherry's doomsday prophecies over and over again, 
To continue to support her ministry financially and to continue to come back to her show every week, Sherry needed some kind of power, some special insight that the Oregon Warriors didn't have. Reza said that a common element in extreme religious organizations or cults is a leader who has special knowledge. Who, at least in the minds of the members, has unique access to secret knowledge, has unique access to some kind of truth that no one else can access except for this leader. This is probably the most important factor in a cult because it allows for the cult members to ignore whatever proof is offered to them that what they believe is false or a lie. Of course, there are no lizard people. Those things don't exist. Well, the counter to that is, oh, but you see, the leader has information that no one else has. The leader has sole access to truth. That means all other truths are not true. As we talked about in episode one, Sherry wanted to be on TV. She wanted to be a news anchor. But her career ended before it even started. Because right after college, she got pregnant, and then she got married to Art Schreiner. In 1991, she was living in rural Ohio, taking care of her first kid. And her career dreams could have just ended there. That would be it. And for a few years, they did. Then, in the late 90s, Sherry discovered something that would open the door for her to position herself as a powerful leader. She saw a chance a chance to go after the fame and power and notoriety that she had always craved. She would never be a news anchor. Instead, she would make herself into a prophet of the Most High God, and she would do it using the Bible codes. The Holy Bible is widely thought to contain the words of God. But some scholars claim that encoded within its chapters and verses are amazing predictions of future events. This is from a 2007 video I found on YouTube. It's called Michael Shermer Decodes the Bible Codes. Ominous references to Hitler, the Nazis, and the Holocaust, many centuries prior to World War II. To believers, coded messages from God in the Bible are nothing short of miraculous. Bible decoding began as a mathematical analysis of the Torah by Israeli scholars. But by the late 1990s, it was becoming a household concept in evangelical circles. And this is partially due to Michael Drosnin's 1997 bestseller, Bible Code, in which he claimed that anyone could learn to decipher the secret messages from God. By the late 90s, many Americans had personal computers in their homes, and there was this general excitement about the power and possibilities that that offered. Bible decoding software became a thing and was available for anyone to purchase. How do computers break the code? First, the software displays both English and Hebrew biblical texts side by side. Once you select a Bible passage from either column, 
the computer initiates a search in the original Hebrew language. The decoding software uses what cryptographers call an equidistant letter search in order to locate concealed messages. First, it looks at every other letter. Then it looks at letters spaced by three then letters spaced by four, and on and on. The video goes on to demonstrate how the computer software deciphers a code from a passage in the Bible. Uncovers the message, My strong name arises upon Yeshua. Yeshua is Hebrew for Jesus. It's through Bible decoding that Sherry came up with her word for God, Yahushua, that she would go on to use for the rest of her ministry. Yahushua Ben David was his earthly name. People want to call him Jesus. That was a Greek made-up name. There was no Jesus Christ in early Jewish history anywhere because he didn't exist. His name was Yahushua ben David. Critics of Bible coding have pointed out that by using the same mathematical techniques, you can find prophecies in practically any text. For example, the Bible coding software can be used to reveal a code referencing the Holocaust in the Bible which someone could interpret as evidence that God put a secret message in the Bible warning us about the Holocaust. But this same reference to the Holocaust can be decoded in the text of a random phone book. But this reasoning did not deter true believers. In 2001, she bought a course on how to decode the Bible, and that officially launched her career as a prophet and a seer. And she used the Bible codes all the time, to guide her in her predictions. In the Bible codes, animals are often referred to as fallen angels, creatures, beasts, and describing them. So in other words, from outer space in the hidden parts of the north, a group of people or animals, which is these aliens, will come down against America, which shall make her land desolate, and none shall dwell therein because they depart. The Bible codes were crucial to Sherry's success in launching her ministry and promoting herself as the mouthpiece of God. If she could convince people that she, and she alone, knew how to decode God's secret messages that he put in the Bible, then that put her in this position of unchecked power. After all, she was getting direct information from God himself. All she had to do to back up claims about a government psyop or a clone sighting or A prediction of the end of the world was to say, I saw it in the codes. If someone crossed her, if someone doubted her or disagreed with her, she could turn on them and say that they were a clone or reptilian or a secret infiltrator of Satan's. And she could back that up by saying, God revealed it to her in the codes. No one can argue with that. She also used the Bible codes for her own financial gain. You know, I, I can look in Bible codes and, and see warriors' names and whether they're active or, or sleeping, you know, whether they're, they're supporting this ministry or not, you know. But when you, when you see them in the Bible codes, that, hey, this person loves the Lord, this person's a warrior, this person supports Sherry Shriner, this person reads her articles, this person reads, listens to her shows, I could see that stuff in the codes. And so it really cheers me up, and it really establishes my rapport with those who I consider to be close to me, who are warriors for the Most High.
Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. By the time Kelly met Sherry in 2009, Sherry had settled comfortably into her position as a doomsday prophet. I warned last week how it was uh, uh, Maitreya and Obama aligning together to enforce H1N1 vaccines. The nasal spray, they have these tiny chips. The Bible codes describe them as slivers. They're so small, they're just slivers. They look like a splinter. This is definitely a route that they're using, and I've seen in the codes where the Lord has stood me up to, to speak and warn his people about this. This whole thing about the locust army that are coming, and Maitreya himself, and, and these things are around the corner. I can't tell you when, but I can tell you it's around the corner because it's, it's coming up in the codes now. Before December 29th, 2012, it was always Kelly, Britt, Marcy, and Rebecca, the four best friends. Then it was just three. When someone kills themselves, everything changes for their loved ones. This is Britt. Uh, her dad called me, and, you know, it was just so out of the blue, and I didn't believe him. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, get out of town. Like, why are you calling me? And he was like, no, I'm sorry to tell you, but it's real. So I heard from her father, and uh, basically, like, lost it because, you know, she was like my sister from another family, you know, my soul sister. You start combing through past conversations, looking for warning signs, wondering if there was something, anything that you could have done. It's a particularly brutal kind of grieving. I knew she was up to some crazy shit. I knew she wasn't right, you know, like her head wasn't right, but I never thought that she would actually go out and just kill herself. Many of Kelly's loved ones speculated that she may have suffered from a mental illness, but she was never officially diagnosed. As her friends and family grappled with the reality that Kelly was gone, Sherry Schreiner created her own version of what happened to Kelly. Kelly's body was found on December 29th. Later that very same day, Sherry made a post about it on Facebook. She said, What happened to Kelly Pingilly? I just got a message that she, quote, committed suicide, unquote. 
there's no way she'd do that. I'm in total shock. And the comments on this post are filled with people grieving Kelly, but also jumping on board with Sherry's assumption that there must have been foul play. The very next day, Sherry posted again, saying, From what I've been told, Kelly Pengilly was killed by a NATO death squad. They've been going around the world all year, targeting and killing people that are yaws. No surprise, they are now in America and getting bolder. Over the next couple of days, Sherry continued to post, and each post she included more and more details of Kelly's supposed murder. And her source for all of this information? She said that it had been revealed to her by the Most High God. She described in detail about Kelly being tracked by NATO then dragged from her car into the woods and murdered. The comments on Sherry's post grew increasingly angry. The Oregon warriors were livid that one of their own had been killed. And then they turned their anger toward Kelly's family. Sherry wrote a post about Kelly's family saying, they won't demand answers or justice because they're going along with the game like good little sheeple. Makes me so mad. The Oregon warriors became convinced that Kelly had not, in fact, killed herself. The weird thing about Kelly, um, for me anyways, was the day, the day after she was killed, I was on her Facebook page, and there was a post on her fucking page by her, uh, supposedly her, that said, um, it's amazing how you can make... Uh, a murder looked like a suicide. That was Mike Hall, an ex-Orgon warrior that we heard from in episode one. And even years after leaving the group, he's still convinced that Kelly was murdered. Another person was also very active in speculating about Kelly's death, a person who would eventually have a mythology spun around his own death. And that was Stephen Minio. Stephen made a blog post on January 3rd, which is the same day that Kelly's obituary ran in the Detroit News. The blog is titled, Kelly Pengilly was murdered by a NATO death squad slash tyrannical government. He wrote, they are assassinating people all over the world. They are trying to take us out one by one as quiet as they can. If they can, they will try to make your death look like a suicide. Do what you got to do to keep yourself safe. If you are one of God's people fighting to get the truth out, they're coming for you. And to everybody, you're live. It's Monday night with Sherry Schreiner. And it is Monday, January 7th, 2013. First show of the year. So, this is the first show Sherry did after I Kelly mean, died. I mean, I never thought I'd be doing a show in 2013. So here we go, you know. And two days before her funeral. Kind of a little quiet lately. You're waiting for death and destruction to hit all of a sudden. And it's coming. It's coming. But I'll get into that a little bit later. If you only listened to Sherry Talk Radio that day, you wouldn't even know that anything untoward had happened by listening to the show. But if you followed the activity on Facebook, it was a totally different story. Sherry had worked the Oregon Warriors into such a frenzy over Kelly's supposed murder, and it all came to a head on January 6th, 2013, the very same day of Kelly Pingilly's funeral. The service took place at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Farmington Hills, Michigan. And so, after the funeral, how did you all cope with it? Again, this is Britt. 
Well, we were, you know, like freshly 21 and 22. So um, uh, I know after her funeral, we went to Marcy's house and had drinks and played games uh, with a couple of friends. And uh, somebody, I'm not sure who, and I'll never know, but uh, they hacked her Facebook and messaged me and they said, you know, I'm still here. Faking my death was pretty easy or something like that. And I just like lost it (laughs) at that point. Oh my God. They messaged you from, oh, from Kelly's Facebook. Wow. Somebody told me that like they had read her journals and um, I was in them and they told me that it was my fault and I was young, so I believed them. Britt was bombarded with messages from trolling Oregon warriors who hacked Kelly's account and were sending messages to people from Kelly's Facebook on the day of her funeral. Can you imagine having just buried your best friend and then getting a message from someone saying that it was your fault that she killed herself? The cruelty is hard to fathom. Nate Pengilly also received messages like this, and he was enraged that Sherry Schreiner's people were turning his sister's suicide into a conspiracy theory and then trolling him and his grieving family. For a little while, I followed it, and, you know, I messaged Schreiner and told her that she was a piece of shit and whatever, but for the most part, afterwards, I stayed away. I spoke with Marcy about this time as well. I never got any messages, but I know Kelly's personal page had to be taken down because people were writing stuff on there. I remember specifically um, the the one that sticks in my mind was, uh, it's amazing what NATO can make look like a suicide. So that's why her Facebook got taken down? Yes. And did her, do you know who took it down? Was it her parents? Um. I'm pretty sure, like, it may have been Brittany who told me, hey, Kelly's Facebook page is going to come down. Can you get those as many photos as you can off of it, please? And I did. The online bullying by the Oregon Warriors wasn't unique to Kelly's situation. Every once in a while, the conversation on Sherry's Facebook would reach this boiling point, and then all the Oregon Warriors would take to the internet threatening and trolling people And they did it all in the name of spreading the truth. On January 14th, two weeks after Kelly's death, something popped up in Sherry's radio show. And it's the only evidence that I have that Sherry was really bothered by Kelly's death. She still never mentioned Kelly by name. But she went on this tirade about how they were killing true believers. Uh, We've already experiencing Obama's explosives uh, hit list to suicide list, starting it off with a bang this year. I mean, since uh, Andrew Breitbart was killed, that one was obvious. And, and Andrew Breitbart, founder of Breitbart News, died from a heart attack in March of 2012. While he was running, gave him a heart attack. If he'd had a pendant on it, it wouldn't have happened, but uh, that's how bold they're getting. They're suiciding and, and killing people. And then she said this. Uh, suiciding people that uh, are just simply believers. They wouldn't be in the media limelight. They're in the background, just running blogs. They're truth activists exposing the New World Order. And and some of them are just kids. 
just kids running blogs in the background. She's talking about Kelly Pengilly. Sherry was so angry in this episode, like angrier than usual. She went on this particularly long rant about these suicide murders. What recourse do you have when the government refuses to investigate a death? They call it a suicide, that's that. You don't have any recourse after that. You can demand the truth. They're not going to let you have it. They're not going to let you have the truth. Sherry wrote an obituary to Kelly that she posted on Facebook. She talked fondly of their orgone missions they went on together, recalling how they walked for hours in New York, carrying backpacks heavy with orgone, recalling how Kelly was her navigator on some of these trips, and how sometimes they would laugh so hard that Sherry would spill coffee all over herself while she was driving. It's apparent that Sherry spent enough time with Kelly to actually know her, to be friends with her, even though Kelly was young enough to be Sherry's daughter. In fact, Kelly was only one year older than Sherry's first son. I think Kelly Pengilly's death was a turning point for Sherry. Suddenly, she could see the impact that her ministry had on someone's real life. And Sherry had to make a decision. She could admit to herself that her doomsday predictions, her obsession with the end of the world, was dangerous and unhealthy. And it had led Kelly Pengilly so far down this wrong path that she had killed herself. But Sherry had too much to lose. Remember, there's no gray area in a cosmic conflict. If Sherry admitted that she had led Kelly Pengilly astray, then she would have to admit that she wasn't a prophet, she wasn't a seer, she wasn't the mouthpiece of God. So instead, Sherry created a story. A story that would allow her to keep her image, her world, intact. She said, no. Kelly Pengilly died a hero, fighting the greatest battle that there is, and she had been brutally murdered as a result. And then, Kelly's death became mythologized among the Oregon warriors. Hers was one battle that they had lost in this ongoing cosmic war. You know, the Lord says, they're coming after me pretty strong. And so these psyops are going to increase against us, to discredit us, because we're destroying them. We're that, that little group within the, the 144,000 that is just so effective and so precious that the Lord has left us here to the very last possible moment when he'll have to take us home. They target big mouths. They target true believers. Why am I still here? Because I'm very protected by the Most High. They keep trying. I'm still here. Next time on The Opportunist. This guy, and basically, I guess he killed his wife or his girlfriend and himself. They were followers of Sherry Schreiner. She was saying how they were getting harassed by the Schreiner followers. I remember having nightmares. Sometimes you might have weird things happen, like... 
something just randomly falling off of a table or and I remember thinking to myself wow like this was a hardcore attack well I've been a follower of Sherry Schreiner for a long time I can tell you right now that she is the most hyped daughter and um, everybody needs to listen to her on every every Monday night don't miss the show she had several people who literally inboxed me and were threatening me, literally talking about killing me. And I believe there was something about how I should be wiped off the face of the earth. Have heartaches overtaken you as someone you also blue if not you've got a lot to look forward to the opportunist is a cast original podcast it's produced by myself and kate mays editing sound design mixing and mastering by matt sewell colin thompson is our executive producer music editor and supervisor story development help from jennifer cron our podcast art is by coat of arms the Opportunist is written by me, Hannah Smith. Original script and some interviews by Tony Rousseau. Thank you to everyone at Cast Media for your feedback and support. And the love that once mattered doesn't matter anymore. Someday when someone says to you, darling, you and I are through, you'll see. What you had to look forward to. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com.